her dingling also the <laughs> fuck it's the clit <laughs> this is reading it and write it carly come on <laughs> What's up, good girls and guys? Welcome to the Juiciest Book Podcast, where we discuss our favorite spicy stories from cutesy romance to smut and all the fantasy in between. I'm Carly. And I'm Taylor. Welcome to Read It and Ride It. (laughs) Let's go, baby. (laughs) Dunno Vipers. Woo, 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 woo. This is going to be a spicy one. Buckle up, people. This book is by K.A. Knight. And if you are familiar with this author, you know it's going to be juicy, which is exactly why you're here. Warning, though, this book does contain scenes and references of abuse, assault that some readers may find triggering and some listeners may find triggering because we will address some of it. There's also very graphic sex scenes and violence because this is a dark romance book, people. Okay? And when we say dark romance, there's not only warnings in the beginning of the book, but there are triggers. And a lot of books like this come with triggers nowadays, which is really awesome because you can read it and then you can decide for yourself. But when you read so much dark romance like me, you get a little fucked up. And you're looking at the triggers and you're like, oh, the more the better. Like half the time I'm on TikTok seeing a video and it will just list that little prologue page. Mm-hmm. And then it will list the triggers and I'll be like, mm-hmm. Yep. Sounds good to me. I can see you watching those and just deviously rubbing your hands together like. <laughs> I literally get like that evil laugh like. <laughs> this one's for me. Because <laughs> you honestly have like this coming to God moment after you read so much dark romance and you go, this girl wants this. Do I want it? No. And then you just let the fucked up shit happen. (laughs) The best part of this book, though, for me, is that it's a reverse harem. And not only a two-guy reverse harem, we've got four motherfuckers in this bitch for this girl. And this is not just in the bedroom. These four men collect a girl as a part of a debt, but little did they know that she would steal all of their hearts. Yeah, and you know what? This was my first reverse harem ever. I mean, I originally read it a couple years ago. Do you read them a lot or no? Oh, God, yeah, now. I mean, I feel like every other book I want it to be reverse harem. The more men, the better, baby. (laughs) (laughs) They're kind of addicting. Oh, very. I had to go back on my Goodreads to figure out when I started reading reverse harem because I read them so often now. I'm like, I don't even know where this shit started. But I think it started with Credence by Penelope Douglas, which is not a reverse harem. But she hooks up with three different people in the book. And I remember reading it and being like, "Uh, is she she just what? Okay, we're all okay with it. We're just going to. Okay, this sounds good. And then I would read a threesome every once in a while and be like, this is fun. Like, I like this. Love a threesome. And then I think the first one that was a true reverse harem, it was actually a faded mate's reverse harem, which is a whole another aspect of fun. Love a faded mate. Is the Ruthless Boys series. (gasps) Oh my, don't even get me started, bitch. That's one of my faves. So good. So So good. good. But I love that it's all about the girl. 
Mm-hmm. Like she's the queen. She's the star. I don't love the ones that have the guys kind of fucking on the side of her. Like I just want it to be about her. Like right. each guy kind of fills a hole of her <laughs> life. <laughs> Not physically. <laughs> That was completely unintentional. Are you sure about that? I'm, I, I, honest to God, I did not mean to say that. That's fucking funny. I approve it though. We I approve this your, message. I just saw your eyes go wide, and I was like, "What did I say?" <laughs> okay, so she's getting the her holes, holes filled. All of her mm. holes filled, <laughs> <laughs> and she just doesn't have to choose then you don't have to choose like half the time I read a book now and there's more than one MMC I'm like okay have both why do you need to choose and then it doesn't end up being a reverse harem I'm like but we could all be happy if we just right all work together and the other thing too with those is a lot of times like you were saying but referring to emotional holes They'll fill that empty space in their heart for them. Like one may be more caring, one may be more structure focused, like maybe she has daddy issues. I don't know. But this book does so good at that. Every single one of the guys plays a different part. And before we get into each character, per usual, let's touch on the tropes really quick. First off, this is a mafia romance, people. We're talking run the city, police in their pockets. We love a powerful man, but what's even better? Four powerful men. (laughs) (laughs) And then obviously reverse harem, four guys, one girl. This is very touch her and you die. But in this case, it's like, I'll light you on fire. I'll cut off your limbs while you're alive. If you fuck with her. Oh, it's graphic. And then you'll die. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Her father was clearly a piece of shit unhealthy upbringing. So I would say another trope would be found family because she needed these men. Even though they originally took her against her will, she really actually needed them. Like she wasn't fully healed until she was one of the vipers. Right, exactly. And honestly, found family for the rest of them as well, because you see that all of the men before they even found her came together under different circumstances, formed a family together. And they were honestly missing this piece that they didn't know they were missing until they had her. Right. And I think what made it so easy for all of them to bond is because they all had trauma. So trauma bonding trope. Hello. They all have different traumatic pasts, which helps them bond on more of a sympathetic, deeper level, even though as you're reading the book, certain characters seem like you could never relate to them because they've all had these extreme circumstances in life. They can relate, especially Diesel in particular. That level of understanding and pain threshold was needed for Diesel to ever find someone. At one point, he even says, just once, I want someone to match me, to not burn in my fire, but be reborn with it. And that is exactly what Roxy was for him. Yeah, I agree. Also, it's kind of a funny dark romance in a way. Like it wasn't, even though they're doing fucked up shit sexually and with all the killing and stuff that happens, 
there's such a deeper level to it. And then there's also a little bit of comedy to it. It's not that funny. It's kind of dark humor also. But Oh, God. Yeah. So if you have dark humor, this is for you. (laughs) (laughs) And last but not least, this is obviously considered a dark romance. And since this is our first dark romance that we're doing, I just want to say you listened to our podcast last time. We did Fourth Wing and now you want to read Den of Vipers, but you've never read anything dark before. This might be a little bit too much for you because I technically did DNF it the first time I read it because Diesel and Roxy were in the basement. They've got this guy chained up on the wall. They're torturing him. And then all of a sudden they start fucking with each other on the table, start cutting each other up. And I was like, okay, you know, the knife play thing. I'm not about it. I stopped. Then we decided to read it for the podcast again. So I went back and read it and I went back and reread that part. And I was like, this isn't that bad. Like, why did I stop? It's fine. And you can also just kind of skip over the part and you don't really have to finish it. (laughs) Yeah, I remember calling you when we were talking about, okay, we need to do a dark romance, reverse harem, something spicier than fourth wing, right? Like, we got to live up to the smutty podcast name, okay? We really just went full send. Yo, full send, for sure. (laughs) And I I called you and you're like, oh, I DNF'd that one. Like, that shit was too crazy. And I'm like, you... You thought it was too crazy. And then I start telling you about that scene with Diesel and her in the basement. And there's this part where, where he sticks the end of a knife in her butt and starts fucking her from behind, literally getting stabbed in the gut. And I was like, just know that that scene is there and then skip over it. And it's it's moderately dark romance. That's like the darkest scene. But keep reading. She's like, oh, I can handle that. <laughs> For real. You know, what's funny is I was actually having lunch with a bunch of girls the other day that have read it. And I was telling them that we were doing this book Mm -hmm. and I brought up that scene, how I DNF'd it at that part. And they were like, oh, no, he was fucking her from behind with it. But the knife was like going upwards like it wasn't stabbing him. And I was like, did we read the same fucking book? Right. Where else was it going to go? It went in her ass. He was getting (laughs) stabbed with it. And he was loving it. Like, I literally was concerned for his intestines at this yeah, point. I was like, same. he's going to fucking die. He's going to rupture something. Yeah. I, I, they clearly misread it <laughs> or decided not to. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what happened is they were like filtered because it. Because <laughs> these girls are dark romance readers, too. And so I'm like, I think you filter your dark romance. Yeah. Like In your head, you're it. like, nah, that's not what's happening. Yeah. Like you're reading it and you're not really reading it actually how it is. You're kind of changing it. So it's not as fucked up as it is. Mm-hmm. But no, it was straight fucked. Like that was a lot. Do I want that to happen to me? Absolutely not. Mm-mm. I read it. I somewhat enjoyed it. I don't know. I can't unread it. It's too late. (laughs) I've never read anything like it. So I guess (laughs) at least the sharp point wasn't in her. Yeah, that would be. I guess that's all you have to say. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that may be out there. We're not reading that. So overall, I rated it a three out of five. I wouldn't reread it again, but I mean, I liked it. Yeah, I, I, Something is missing for me. It's a two out of five for me. And I'm not saying it's a bad book at all. I am just very like I need to understand the plot. I need to understand the motives. 
And what confused me for this book is why they accepted her as a trade. So quick little rant. They kill rapists, yet when they capture her, Kenzo, supposedly the sweet one, is thinking about fucking her, hoping she's a fighter before killing her. Yes. Okay. This book has a fair amount of plot holes, I think. (laughs) I was confused as well when they said that, but then they see her, sees that she beats up those four guys, thinks that she's hot. And now they're like, oh, like we want her. Now we're possessive of her. Now we're not just going to break her. We're going to break her in a way that's going to break her to be with us, basically. And I'm like, did they do this to other women before her? Or is she the first one that they've taken? Because in the beginning, it kind of seemed like them taking like a daughter or a girl, girlfriend, whatever, as part of a debt seemed like they've done it before, but they obviously never mentioned that. Right. They say shit like, I want her to suffer. But for what, though? Her dad's gambling debt issues? How is that her fault? Her dad didn't care about her that much and he traded her. So like, even if it's to get back at him, it's not going to work. Right. Also, there's got to be a bunch of fucking people with gambling debts. Like, it's not like the dad stole from them and can't repay what he stole. Like, gambling seems very low on the totem pole for sure. And considering the people they kill for lesser reasons, it's just kind of shocking The other thing, too, is writer who, you know, is essentially the leader. One point he's looking into her life so he can, quote unquote, fully destroy her. Yet he cares if she eats or hurts herself. Then reveals late, like halfway through the book, his plan all along was to use her to help save Garrett from his trauma. I'm like, what? This is so contradicting and confusing. And that's why I rated this a two out of five. The motivation is unclear to me and I'm not shitting on this book. I enjoyed it. I've read it twice, actually, because the sex scenes are spicy, but (laughs) I may be missing something. So if anyone has answers to our confusion, (laughs) please DM us. I want my plot holes filled and other holes. This book is giving you too many ideas. I know. I'm sorry, people. (laughs) World building. Definitely just a one. This is reality. Yeah. Action four to five. Because it goes beyond fighting, there's actual bloodshed, murder, death. There's fucking torture in this. Let's get this (laughs) stated as well. And we're not talking sexy torture. We're talking fucking torture, torture. (laughs) (laughs) This is called Dexter torture. (laughs) (laughs) Except they're actually writing it out and describing it. Yeah. Courtesy Diesel. (laughs) For humor, I rated it a three out of five. I definitely thought the writing was a little silly at times, especially for how dirty the sex was. Like all of a sudden she'd be like, no, stay strong. Don't have sex with them. Pussy power. That came out wrong. Like I literally was like, what the fuck? You literally just got annihilated. Right. And like your fucking shoulder is broken. And she says like the most random shit. And then honestly, Diesel, so fucking funny. The funniest. He would do shit like the unicorn pack where he kept freaking grenades In a sparkly purple unicorn fanny pack. Are you kidding me? Beating the shit out of the guy with the frying pan who won't let him buy a yacht named Roxy. (laughs) Or when he speeds by that cop car and he goes out his window and is like, you drive like a fucking snail. (laughs) The audacity. And, you know, even though this is a dark romance and they have trauma for sad scale, I would say it's only a two out of five. 
it's not really tear jerking. It's more like acceptance of their trauma and how they heal each other. It's, you know, you can't not read it and feel like their pasts are fucked up. Right. Like you're like, this is fucking sad. Yeah. All of them have something. And but they also got tough from it. It's not like they're cowering and you're sim- you are sympathetic, but just right in a different way. And it kind of comes full circle. Happy, sad at the end. When they're just all together and you're like, okay, like they all have each other and they're all filling each other's voids. Yeah. How it was supposed to work out Mm -hmm. is how it worked out. Smut scale, six out of six. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah, they got some kinky shit going on that I would never personally participate in. I mean, the amount of chapters I included in our social spice post was insane. I I barely could fit the numbers. Basically, every other chapter includes minimum masturbation, oral, or, well, more. (laughs) At first, I kind of thought it was a five because there's so much sexual stuff in it. Then the fucking knife thing came up. That makes it a six. Oh, yeah. I felt dirty after reading it. I felt dirty reading it in public. I felt dirty reading it in front of family members. (laughs) But it's kind of fun. Like, you're just sitting there and you're like, it's, you don't know that this girl's getting railed and stabbed at the same time. It's like, have you ever seen those posts about the difference between reading smut in public versus reading just like fantasy in public? You're like laughing and showing emotions when you read regular stuff. And then when you read smut, you're like stone cold, not moving. And <laughs> that's I'm how like, you know. That's how you know. <laughs> yes. If I'm at the dinner table reading a book and I'm not saying nothing, that's sus, okay? So... Last category, fluff. We actually gave it a three out of five. You wouldn't think of this book as fluffy, but it is cute. Because they're flirty, but they've got a level of admiration and obsession with each other. You just can't deny. And I mean obsession, obsession. Like, why are you so obsessed with me by, what's her face? Is it Beyonce? No, it's Mariah Carey, Why are you so obsessed with me? Why are you so obsessed with me? Boy, I want to know. Boys, plural in this case. (laughs) Truth. Truth. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, uh, Roxanne, our female main character. Main female character, whatever the fuck. Also, she goes by Roxy because I'm going to refer to her as fucking Roxy because I ain't saying no fucking Roxanne this whole rest of this shit. Yeah, Roxanne is pretty. I mean, at one point they even call her Rox. She goes by different names. We might even say R. Who knows? You know who we're talking about. But she's got some issues. We're talking trauma from her dad's abuse, which leads to daddy issues that honestly, the boys kind of fulfill for her. And then trust issues very validly from him killing her mom with that forced overdose. That part was one of the parts where it's like, okay, this is sad. Like, I'm not crying because we don't have any connection to the mom. There's no story about her. But like, this shit is sad. I agree. I agree. But then she shows that she's has this trauma, but she's already badass because then the people Mm -hmm. come into her little bar that she owns and try and take her for the first time. And she just beats the fuck out of them. (laughs) I was like, this is sick. Like total. What's the Joker person? The woman. Harley Quinn. Yes. That's her fucking twin. I was literally imagining like a crazy fucking face like she got punched in the face like blood dripping out of her mouth and she's got this creepy sinister smile and she's like yeah bring it I'll fucking beat the fuck out of you and then I'm gonna go home bitch 
Or like when she destroyed their pristine guest room in retaliation, I was like, you crazy bitch, I kind of love you. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. And then also when the guys finally came to take her because the other ones obviously failed and she just kicks Garrett in the balls and she constantly (laughs) brings it up throughout. And Diesel's kind of into it too. Mm -hmm. Like Diesel's like, oh yeah, fuck yeah, now I want her. Like I think (laughs) she kicked him in the balls and Diesel is like, yeah, fucking yeah. Kick me in the balls. <laughs> that dude loves his pain and pleasure. I wouldn't be surprised if that was a kink of his. Pivoting over to our four men, starting out with Diesel. If I could describe him in a few words, it would be a deranged teddy bear. <laughs> <laughs> How accurate is that, though? I mean, come on. That's extremely accurate. <laughs> it's pretty good. He's also, if you guys have read Darkmore Penitentiary or The Ruthless Boys, he's basically a combination of Sin from Darkmore and Leon from Ruthless Boys, especially with the long blonde hair. I was basically just picturing Leon with the attitude of Sin and, and that makes Diesel. <laughs> and all the fucking tattoos. True. Because he's tatted. Love a tatted man. He's psychotic. And obviously in the beginning, he's what turned me off of the book because he was so psychotic crazy but once you get through that scene he's psychotic in the best fucking way i mean literally her first interaction with him she punches him in the face and he gets a boner what (laughs) i know he just does the most deranged things like in the bedroom and outside of the bedroom Mm -hmm. obviously i would not want that in real life i could not Mm -hmm. handle that kind of crazy Mm -mm. but he's so cute and funny in this book too like i just grew to love him so much like daddy d you daddy my, d <laughs> daddy d you my boy Woo. like he is one of my favorite ones and he was extremely close to being my top one really which is crazy because he's the reason i didn't finish the fucking book what? that just shows how much he progresses as a character though i know wow he has great character progression. See, but and alternatively, he was my least favorite. Not that he wasn't a good character. He was needed for the comedy. But I don't if anyone says like pretty bird or little bird now, it's just not the same for me. <laughs> it freaks me out. A little bit. Completely reasonable. I mean, he's like you said, big, big on pain and pleasure. All of mm-hmm. them are into pain and pleasure, but he takes it to a whole new level. And you see it's because of the trauma in his past and everything like that but it's not just like oh let me choke you out it's a let me cut you up watch you bleed and basically take you to the edge of death and then i'll give you a fucking orgasm right there's even a part where he mentions most of his sexual partners literally die so he uh, does mention a lot how mm -hmm. he's like i'm gonna take you to the edge of dying and she's like do it (laughs) That's what I mean, though. They were the perfect pair. She was exactly who he needed. They were. But it just baffles me how she can be with Diesel. And then like 20 minutes later, she's getting railed again by someone else. Like (laughs) if I fucked Diesel, I would need a break for like a year. Yeah, a year sabbatical at least. Yes. (laughs) Ready for Ryder? Hair slicked back, suit and tie, sharp, cold, calculating eye kind of guy. Dude, just put a fucking suit on a guy and give him some money, and that's it for me. Like I'll I'll bend down on my knees. (laughs) That's my shit. You're like you don't even have to say crawl to me. I'm already doing it. (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm into that. That's, I mean, who isn't into that? Come on, let's talk about Rysand from Akatar, Alex from Twisted Love, North from The Bonds That Tie, and so many more. It's such a popular MMC type. It's the morally gray man. We love him. We're here for them. I fucking love them. Personality-wise, like the rest of them, possessive as fuck. But his biggest thing that he is, is he always has to be in control. He has to control everything, especially when it comes to his brother. And his lady of the night. (laughs) (laughs) I knew this would lead into moments when the MFC fights how bossy he is and gets punished. Like, yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have Garrett who is the big man. He's the fighter. The enforcer, just like Cassian from Akatar. It took him the longest to come around. I think not only to Roxy, but just the idea of having someone else in the family and accepting the fact that she could accept him. Oh, yeah. Especially those scars. It made me feel so bad for him when she's seeing his chest for the first time and he thinks that she thinks he's ugly and then he's kind of just spiraling in his own head. Oh, my god! And then she's just like, no, like, I love you. Like, it shows that you've been through something and mm-hmm. now you're here and you've gotten through it. That's when the book kind of started getting deep. And I'm like, damn, there's a fucking deeper meaning to all this fucking sex. Right. That's kind of why Garrett is my favorite. I mean, there's multiple reasons, okay? One, he gave her space in the beginning, which was really needed considering she was fucking kidnapped, hello, and didn't fuck her until she basically begged him. So he wasn't like, you're mine, I control you in your body. He was also the very necessary slow burn. I mean, the rest of them were like DTF right away, right? Right. He was more like, I've got some trauma. I've got these scars. Like his ex was fucking nuts. And when she was like, when I see your scars, I'm reminded of how strong you are. I feel like that was when their bond really solidified. And when they had their first intimate moment, I loved that he was still rough, but was not on the diesel level. Just the right amount, I feel like. Yeah, it was dirty enough where you're like, "Mm, okay. And the last but not least is Kenzo, which also love the name. I've never read or even heard of the name Kenzo. Very catchy. And with the way he's described, I instantly pictured g Easy. You know what I'm talking about? With like the the shaved sides and the hair on top is longer. I'm like, okay, so he's g Easy. He's basically (laughs) a fuck boy. That's what I think Mm -hmm. of when I think of g Easy. Pretty much. (laughs) His vice is the gambling. He's the gambler guy. He's doing shit with money all the time on the side. But he's also the dreamer and the lover. I think he's got the most lovey-dovey heart. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Ryder was trying to protect him from everything bad his whole life so that he could develop that, basically. That was honestly so needed to balance out the group, too. His him being kind of a softy. Right. We need it. And he was my favorite, I think, because not only was he dirty in the bedroom, but he had that soft heart. And if they were all fucking batshit crazy... It'd be overwhelming. That would, that would be a lot. Like, we, yeah. I needed someone to come in her room and fucking cuddle her at night. Mm-hmm. Like, after she got railed one, two, three ways. <laughs> and that's what he fucking does. And at one point, Diesel is stating how he didn't want Roxy to make it seem like Kenzo had sex with her without consent because that would break him. And I was like, oh, fuck. Okay. Like, yeah, he really does fucking care. 
Yeah, and that is a good point because the first intimate scene in the entire book is kind of staged in a way where it seems like it's non-consensual, but you're in her point of view and you know that she wants it. She's just fighting it because she's kidnapped and she's literally even like masturbated to them before this. So it's not like she's like not attracted to them or anything, but that is something important to know. And that's exactly why there are triggers in this book. I mean, it's, it's very, uh, I mean, she's fucking kidnapped. Okay. Yeah. It's basically hate fucking at first that yeah. turns into a hate fucking style of love making. It's if like that makes sense. Yeah. It's it's like that saying where it's like, you hate me so much you love me. It that's yes. literally what it is. Yes. It's kind of I mean, I don't really know. I wouldn't consider them like enemies to lovers at first, but like kind of like yeah no yeah i'd say so i mean yeah (laughs) she's kind of right away she's into them she's just in denial for a long time (laughs) so it's kind of enemies to lovers but really it's just lovers to lovers (laughs) (laughs) basically so if garrett's your first guy then who's your two oh kenzo for sure exactly the same reasons you gave okay i think originally obviously kenzo's my first and then I thought writer because I love the possessive rich CEO suit mm-hmm. guy kind of vibe. But honestly, it's Diesel. He's so really he's so great. He's literally a drained little fucking puppy. If he wasn't so <laughs> if he literally did drain shit and wasn't funny, bottom of the list. Yeah. The fact that true. he's so funny. Love that guy. Like when they're in the fucking booth and. I forget who's like fingering her, but then he's just like Kenzo. in the corner, like jacking off. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Homeboy's nuts. <laughs> Homeboy does not give a fuck. No. They're in public. He's like, I could just imagine him like just winking off in the corner, like. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 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 Could you imagine seeing some shit like that? I would walk into the restaurant and immediately walk the fuck out. <laughs> like the sanitation here is zero stars. <laughs> now getting into notable plot points. First, I want to do a comment on just how it did different POVs. Again, I'm not a big fan of different POVs, but I feel like if this entire book, because it was a pretty hefty book, was all from Roxy's, one you wouldn't understand how each of the guys were feeling and how their love developed. And then also their past, because a lot of the interactions they have with each other when she's not there, you're learning a lot about them. But if it was all Roxy, I would feel very overwhelmed. Like there would be a lot of pieces missing, I feel like. Yeah, not even overwhelmed, just like confused, right? Like how in the hell is she falling for these guys? How are they falling back it's so impressive when an author writes this many different point of views especially when it's executed to the extent where I can tell the personalities apart right I can start a chapter and basically know whose chapter it is without even seeing the name at the top yeah and right off the bat again different personalities diesel you know his part is going to be the primary dark romance I think like first or second chapter, he finds a gun under her pillow when they're raiding her place and getting her to take back to their place. He's like, I think I'm in love. 
do you think she would shoot me if I ask? Which is crazy because that actually comes into like a foreplay scene with them later. Like (laughs) foreshadowing. (laughs) Yeah. They all pretty much were like, she's mine right away. Oh, yeah. Putty in their hands. She's going to fucking be a viper. It was mentioned that if she really hated them, she would have killed them because she totally would be able to kill them just because she's a strong ass bitch. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. But what made them so different for her as well? Because Ryder totally calls her out and is like, you're fucking into all of us. And she kind of denies it for a while. Like she's just making it seem like, oh, they're hot. Like I want to fuck them. But she developed a very emotional connection pretty early on as well. Right. You know, she does still retaliate. It's not like she's like, oh, you know, let's all fuck. <laughs> no, yeah. she she destroys Ryder's suits. She destroys the car. She stabs Diesel in the hand to get the last piece of pizza. Which like, she liked. Right. I mean, Diesel was <laughs> like, fuck, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, did she destroy Ryder's things to egg him on? Or did she destroy them in real t- retaliation? Maybe it was both. I think she did it for both because then she figures out when she fucks with Ryder, he'll fuck her. And she likes that. Mm, yep. She likes the punishment thing. Like Ryder is the very daddy. I'm going to spank you <laughs> and show you that what you did was wrong kind of vibe. Right. Punishment. Yes. One of the scenes early on that made me literally laugh out loud was when her and Kenzo are playing the game of flip cup and she's trying to win and she just pulls down her tits to distract him. <laughs> I can imagine him just draw dropping me like, holy shit. And then all of a sudden he just pulls his fucking dick out. Like, what the fuck? Uh, the gray sweatpants, though. That's what you were thinking of? Yes, they really work magic for a man's physique if i had a roommate who was a guy and he was like i'm into you like without wanting to say it just pull out the gray sweatpants okay (laughs) yeah i mean the gray sweatpants worked because then they ended up fucking and he's getting her undressed and he's like unless you just want me to rip them off from your body like yeah rip them off buddy please take (laughs) off those fucking clothes let's go also Obviously, she ends up getting naked. She fucking has her dingling pierced. (laughs) Are you being sarcastic? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I literally thought you were like, really? And I was like, yeah, what the fuck do you think would happen? (laughs) Her dingling also, though. Fuck. (laughs) It's the clit. This is reading it and write it, Carly. Come on. (laughs) I just, like, didn't want to say that. I don't know. Her clitoris. Yeah, let's keep it scientific, people. Her clit was pierced. (laughs) Holy shit. Like, would you do that? I could never. That would hurt like a bitch. I would have to get paid a lot of money, but I would never say no. Like, if someone paid (gasps) me even half a mil, I'd do it. For half a mil, come on. Can you imagine the infections you would get? Oh, I, I'm i a very OCD clean bitch. I'd keep that shit clean. It'd be sparkly. I might as well get a diamond. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> okay, when they actually get to the part where they're fucking, 
And she literally, quote unquote, in her head is like, it's big, really fucking big, too big. I'm like, girl, I'm jealous. (laughs) (laughs) And she literally punches, headbutts and claws him turning fucking feral. Oh, dude, this was so good. There's one fucking line that I remember. And it was like, want to act like a fucking animal? They don't fuck you like one. And I was like, let's go, boy. (laughs) Get after it. They were literally hate fucking, but like we're into it. Okay. No shame in the dark romance game. And this isn't even close to how dark the dark side gets, but it's a good starter. A good little ease in (laughs) just the tip. (laughs) Great comparison. After that, you see Roxy's character open up on more of an emotional level than just sexual because it's kind Mm -hmm. of seemed a lot of sexual for a while. And you first see it really for me when she was talking to Diesel about Rich and you see that she does have a capacity to love like her father didn't fuck her up so bad that she can't love anyone. Right. But Rich filled that hole for her and then she lost him. So she's just fucking scared that. If people that she loves, they either hurt her like her dad or they fucking leave. So I get it. Like she doesn't Mm want to love again. And it's even kind of played on at the end of the book when both Garrett and Kenzo have moments where they almost die. And at that point, she's I mean, she's in love with them. I don't know if she said it at that point, but like Rich died and it wasn't his fault, even though Roxy acts like it is. But the level of love she has with the Vipers, totally different. I mean, she would be beyond devastated if she lost any of them. Right. And it's a cute sentimental moment. And then Diesel's like in his head, she's not allowed to love anyone else but fucking us. (laughs) (laughs) Completely possessive. This is just going to show how he's going to be. And then honestly, this is where Diesel started to change for me, too. He starts opening up about his past which at first is shocking. Like he is the most open book out of any of them. Like she did not oh, really I have to realize that. Yeah, girl, daddy D. <laughs> <laughs> He's the most open book. Like she did not have to pry that information out of him. He willingly gave it over. And true. Like his mom was the junkie. She was murdered. He avenged her death. Okay. The fact though that he avenged her, even though she tried to sell him, just shows how loyal of a person he is. I did pick up on that because loyalty in a relationship is so important. Yeah, I agree. And I think his obsession with fire is also from the loss of his mom from the arson. Did you catch on to that? Like how his mom died in a house fire? Oh, no. Yeah. And after that, he changed his name and went, oh, that's why his fucking name is Diesel. I'm stupid. (laughs) This is one of those ones where he was just so much. There was a lot going on. Yeah. I just couldn't follow every single detail, but... One of the quotes that he says in this scene is, they are all just as fucked up as I am. They just hide it better, which I think is just a very good description because when people read the book, they're like, Diesel is literally batshit crazy. What the fuck? Well, you know what? All of them are, but Mm -hmm. he's just the most upfront about it. He's like, I'm this way and this is how it's going to be. Like, I'm not going to apologize for that. Then she has her first intimate moment with Diesel. They don't fuck. Which I think is good because you kind of need to ease into his level of crazy. 
For sure. He's like, I'll happily die with you on top of me. You could even kill me while you're doing it. Just think of how hot that would be. <laughs> like, totally gave me the ick at first. And now I'm like, oh, how charming. And then I just think it's funny because full circle, the guy sent her down there because they were kind of starting to get pissed at her. And they wanted Diesel to, in quotations, break her. And then it ends up totally backfiring on them. And now Diesel is completely obsessed with her. They didn't even fuck. And he's like, she can handle me. And now he's just her little fucking chihuahua puppy. Right. Following him around. He's whipped. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I fucking love it. Ryder is also falling. He acts all tough and stone cold, but he's a fluffy little snake. He's a fluffy little viper, okay? (laughs) He likes to bring the fluff to the story. He has someone running her bar. He bought her clothes. Hello, gift-giving love language. And he's even jealous when she calls Diesel D. I thought that was so cute. I was like, (laughs) jealousy (laughs) from Ryder. You would seem unexpected from him, you know? Right. Roxy also starts proving herself getting involved with their mafia shit, especially when she gets her friend Tiny involved. Basically, the way it was described is she has a bunch of connections from her bar because it's pretty sketchy. So she has sketchy connections. She is able to offer help with tracking papers and Tiny (laughs) even gets his life threatened by the guys for calling her bitch like Come on, you guys are already smitten. They act like, oh, let's send her to D's dungeon to punish her. And then one guy says you're a bitch and she they freak the fuck out. Like, come on. <laughs> I know. They're constantly like, no one can touch you or hurt you except us. Except like, us. <laughs> <laughs> and then they much. Like, but they literally cut her up and shit. Like, yeah, true. They're literally being serious about right. it. <laughs> no, you meant that literally. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and she totally gets a kink out of it. She is about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, watching a powerful man covered in blood scare the shit out of another guy while his brother whispers sweet nothings in your ear. Like, say fucking less. <laughs> say less. <laughs> <laughs> she finally stops trying to escape, but acts like it's accepting her fate. But she's totally crushing on them. I mean, she saves Garrett's life, stealing his gun, but instantly giving it back. It's like if you were really trying to get away from them, first of all, you would have let them get shot. And you would have shot them and you wouldn't have gave the gun back. Right. So you can say it's accepting fate all you want, Roxy, but we all know you're fallen right after she saves their lives. I feel like they have a little more trust in her and take her actually out to a restaurant, which is the first time they've all been kind of out together. And that's where that fingering scene you mentioned is where all the guys are there. Kenzo's fingering her first off the knife cutting off her panties added to my bucket list. Also, Kenzo such a great dirty talker i'm a slut for some whispers (laughs) also diesel has a pierced dick i can't remember if it's like on the shaft or like the tip either or ow also like inside ow question Hmm. mark i don't know see okay two things one There's a part where he describes about grinding into her. So I know he has a pelvis piercing. Not sure about the tip. But two, I read this book about this guy that has a Jacob's Ladder. Have you ever heard of those? I've heard of Jacob's Ladder, but I'm too afraid to Google it because I don't want dicks to show up on my fucking fucking Google history. Oh, I fucking Googled that shit. I'm dead. What was it? It's funny, though. When you Google it, it actually just shows like bananas. (laughs) Like animated bananas with the piercings. So I didn't even really see any dicks. But the way it's described in books, at least, 
kind of sounds amazing. Like it just sounds like a extra little stimulation. Okay, you know what? This is my qualm with that, though, is that books make anal sound fucking fun. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that's a good point. So you know what? (laughs) Mm. Can someone Mm. let us know? Not just for scientific purposes, of course. So wait, where is it on the shaft or no? I think it's it's on the pelvic area and then possibly on. What do you mean the pelvic the tip- area? He's balls deep. OK, that piercing. He's grinding on her clit oh, with the piercing. It's like yes. a cock ring, but attached yeah. to their body and doesn't vibrate. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I just feel like if your dick got hard, though, wouldn't it like pull the piercing? <gasps> I don't know. I don't got a dick, but <laughs> it sounds painful. I'm just saying. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um, moving on. I love a good action scene and I'm not talking sex action. I'm talking, you know, fighting. Right. I talked about that in Fourth Wing. That's why I loved Fourth Wing. Tons of action. But this book takes it to another level. Again, dark, not just dark romance, but dark they literally have dismemberment pissing burning eyeballs until they burst like i am all for an impressive action scene but this was just way too graphic for my taste though i was more so skipping those parts than the dirty sex parts yeah because i it was just so scary to me i don't i pictured it too vividly do you get what i'm saying no i totally know what you're saying I'm just trying to think back. Like, I think I just read them and I was like, damn, that fucking sucks. (laughs) I was like, I'm scared. (laughs) We finally get a crawl to me moment, which fucked me up with that shit. Like, this is also kind of one of your favorites. Writers got her across his lap, spanking her Mm -hmm. with the belt. Good girl. (laughs) (laughs) He did say that. He literally says that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny how... They all have their different little praise kinks that they call her. Like Diesel calls her a little bird. But dude, a good, good girl is fire. Mm -hmm. But then you say, good girl, now crawl to me. Fuck off. I will do whatever you want. Just say those words. It's fine. (laughs) Okay, but also telling her when to come. Yes, please. <laughs> Why can't I find a man who is so understanding of a woman's body? You this cause these books are fucking written by women, okay? They also fuck and he's all like, You can't survive me, blah blah blah. He also says that and like she's been with Diesel. Like, fuck off. You're right. not even that crazy. Whip her with the belt, make her bleed. Who gives a fuck? Diesel is out here bringing her to the brink of fucking death. Oh, yeah. Way more intense. I just didn't understand. That's another thing. It's like, he says all these things. He talks all the talk. But like, do you walk the walk? Well, I guess there is that one water bottle point part, which we'll get to because he walked the walk a little bit there. And then Roxy couldn't walk at all. So. There's this moment between the boys, and I forget whose point of view it was from, but the moment was between Kenzo and Ryder, and it's after she's finally gone in public with them, so now people have seen her with them and obviously know that she's associated with them. Right. They're all basically her bitch. Like, it's pretty obvious (laughs) when they go in public. And now they're starting to fear for her freedom, and Ryder starts to show that he's afraid of becoming his dad. Like this yeah. is a recurring theme that keeps coming on. 
Yeah, it's brought up throughout the whole book, even at the end. Right. You think it's resolved and he's just like, but I don't want to be like my dad. Yeah, he still kind of has it there, but he just got fucked up from a really early age by his dad in the head. And then Ryder just constantly starts icing her out. Like, that's what I kind of don't understand, too, is he wasn't going to let her go. So he's just icing her out until he fucks her again. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, make up your mind, dude. I mean, his mind is already made up. He's going to be with her. He's not going to let her go and be with anyone else. Right. So he's in denial then. Yes. Why hold yourself back and then not hold yourself back? Again, plot gaps. Okay. Not hating, but I'm confused. It's fine. Honestly, I had this thought about plot holes and... I don't really think about them until the end. Like I can blissfully go through a book and then people will mention plot holes to me. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Didn't realize that, but it's (laughs) fine. I'll make up something for myself. Kind of same. I have never DNF'd a fictional book. I don't know why. I just can't. I need to know what happens to them. There was this one time I read a series, eight books, I one starred all of them, but I read <laughs> all of them. <laughs> I won't lie, me too. It's toxic. I've done that for sure. It's, it's my so, toxic trait. No, it totally is hard. Then I just start. That's when I start skipping the pages, and I'm like, all right, let's just yeah, get to the it. plot of it, and mm-hmm. so then I know what happens, and then I can go to bed. Speaking of the plot of it, Roxy and D finally fuck in his dick down dungeon. Okay, <laughs> after torturing an assassin, which was. Definitely the darkest romance scene. We're talking knife play, chains, asphyxiation, edging, like that one though, knife in the ass, stabbing while fucking him from behind until he almost bleeds out and dies, which we touched on. But like, again, that's all in one scene, people. That's not like accumulation of multiple different scenes. That's all in one fucking scene. <laughs> and then he's just like snapping his selfie of himself fucking oh, yeah. her and send like send it in the group chat let him know what we're doing down here what's up boys <laughs> Jesus. you also get a glimpse of how roxy pulls d back from going too far to the dark side right like he's torturing the guy can't stop he's getting lost in the bloodshed of it all and then roxy's grounding him and bringing him back yeah they're it's weird saying it because they're both so wild. But yeah. They're the perfect couple. <laughs> I know. Like if she was going to be with anyone that wasn't in a reverse harem, I really do think that Diesel just yeah. fits so many parts of her life. They would have to be together. That's an interesting perspective. I agree. It's funny because he's on the bottom of my list out of these four guys. But you're so right. But that's for you, not for her. That's true. Yeah. And it's interesting how your top two are the opposite of my top two. It's, it's, that's, that's why, why we so, love it. Yeah. And that's why I like doing this with you because we have like differing perspectives. Yes. Um, Kenzo's gift giving love language, I want to touch on because of Roxy's reaction. That was kind of a tongue twister. <laughs> <laughs> I relate. Based off of her wanting to buy her own things, I have always wanted to be able to buy my own things. When people gift give, it's almost like there's this pressure to really, really want what they give you, right? So what are your thoughts on gift giving? I mean, I totally get her perspective about how she's literally been on her own her whole life 
basically yeah and then she's buying her own shit and now they're kind of spoiling her and she's like well i don't want you for your fucking money right like i don't need all of these things like i want you and i like that though because she's with fucking billionaires you know so she's not a gold digger which is like what garrett's ex was right right so i almost think garrett needed to hear that in a way yeah which leads me into roxy giving Ryder a blowjob while on the phone then Ryder fucks her while on the phone. Would you ever take a call or send a text while hooking up? I personally have not, but I've heard of people doing it. I would never do that. No. Yeah. That's, it's kind of rude. It's like that's you're too wild. It's like you're disconnected from the moment. How can you even stay focused? There's background noise. Yeah. You have you know to be what? putting yourself on mute, unmuting. Mm-hmm. You're just not going at it hard enough if you're able to take a call. That's my personal opinion. <laughs> take notes. <laughs> <laughs> and then all the while, all of this shit is going on. They've been trying to figure out who is leaking the information to the triad about them. Oh, yeah. The triad shit. We're so into the sex. We're like, oh, yeah. And by the way, <laughs> there's, there's a whole nother guys. fucking plot line to the book. <laughs> I thought their dad was alive. So I thought oh, like, it was like him. Ryder and Kenzo's, Kenzo's dad? dad. Yeah. I thought that he, I thought they basically like kind of like shooed him to the side and then he was coming back and trying like to fuck with them. he led the triad, you're thinking. He was the one working with the triad to basically fuck them over. Oh, I see what you're saying. So you thought he was essentially what Garrett's ex was. Yes. Okay. Yes. Because the whole time. That's a good theory. They would bring that stuff up and I'd be like, okay, who could it be? Right. I I never thought it was going to be fucking Garrett's ex. No, me neither. I honestly kind of thought she was dead. And also they never up until this point mentioned that the dad is dead. So I totally get why you thought that. Because the whole time they're just painting him as a terrible person. Writers trying not to be like him. So that, yeah, that's a good theory. Checks out. Checks out. And then it gets sad. Kenzo takes her to their mother's grave and he starts going over more of the history of her death because at this point, Ryder had told her that the mom had committed suicide and that their dad was evil. But right. then Kenzo starts going into how they went into the house. They saw her dead. Ryder rushes Kenzo out. Ryder goes back in to save her or attempt to save her. Obviously, he can't. This is where you're really seeing that Ryder is trying to be that protector for his little brother. He's trying to take in all of that darkness so that his brother doesn't have to be that way. So that Kenzo can have that bleeding heart that he has. Oh, my gosh. Bleeding heart. That is the perfect description. And alternatively, Ryder has like heart of stone having to go through like you said absorbing basically all the dark moments killing for his dad i think that he puts up this icy shield i think they describe it as kind of the ice look in his eye yeah because he's not only protecting them from the dark but trying to even stop himself from being as dark as he has experienced because of his dad right and it's so freaking sweet when he's like Look, you can come here, and if you need time away from us, come to this spot. This can be your escape. And then he admits to her that he's falling in love with her. And you know that she's still fearful of love, thinking that it's going to turn into hate eventually, or maybe he's 
going to leave her. But I think at this point, all of them are in love with her. But Kenzo's finally being the voice of like, we like, even though he's not saying we like, I'm falling in love with you. Like, this is real. Like, this isn't just us fucking like this is on an emotional level that is beyond just physical. Yeah, he's the softy. I'm not surprised he admitted it first, but I'm glad he admits it because I think she needed one of them at least to say something like that before she could ever even consider it fully. Right, for sure. And then you have Garrett, who's finally confiding in her about his past trauma. And I kind of found the backstory a little bit confusing. Like this woman wanted power and money and he proposed so she would technically be getting that if she married him, but she right. just wants to kill and torture him. Like, how is she going to gain anything by killing right. him? Okay, that was totally my thought at first, too. But at the very end, when they're interrogating the triad, it's explained. She made two different deals. She had a deal with the triad and she had a deal with another gang that isn't named essentially. So when she originally came into the Vipers and was dating Garrett, it was for this money and power that she was promised by this unnamed gang. Okay. Mm. So she was only baiting them to let her in their circle so she could feed them information and take them down. Then when she got physically burned by Diesel after fucking deserve that too. I know. I can't even get it. I hate her. Um, (laughs) She decided she wanted revenge. So her second round of partnering with a gang, which happened to be the triad, is all revenge based. She's no longer trying to get the money and power by betraying the Vipers. She wants to fucking end Garrett and probably Diesel for burning her, but primarily Garrett. I love these little moments of... For example, when it's her and Garrett and Diesel in bed and she's like, I'm taking a shower. No dick. <laughs> like, Because she's sore. But then she'll literally proceed to get railed 20 minutes later anyways. Right. Like the stamina that these reverse harem girls have is another fucking level. Like I just literally am like, how do you do it? Probably such a good diet, though. Sign me up. Hello, this is the diet of how to take it in the ass, the vagina, and your mouth at the same time, and then do it again 30 minutes later. And again. And again. Then comes the huge emotional turnaround plot point of the entire book. And then group fuck. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) And it's when they finally decide, they're like, we have to let her go. We have to let her have freedom and have it be her choice to come back to us. Yeah. Because I think she was in her mind as well. Like, okay, but they kidnapped me. Like technically I'm here kidnapped against my will. How can I actually open up my heart to them? And I'm glad they let her go because they finally all realize they're in love with her. And if they're truly in love with her, you have to let her go like that, you know, classic quote. But specifically after confessing their love, Kenzo still begs her to stay and says, keep Ryder sane and melt his ice. Love Garrett, even though he struggles loving himself. Love Diesel, even though it might kill you. And love me and be my greatest win. I honestly didn't think she would leave. Like that was the sweetest thing any of them had said to her. 
I know. And it's funny, too, because they totally wouldn't have fucking let her go. But no, <laughs> again, a for I think she needed that realization. Like when she's in the car, like she runs to the car, puts right. the key ignition, starts going away. And then it's kind of one of those flashback moments in your mind of what I was imagining in her head. Like she's flashing back to all the moments that she's had with them. Right. And she's realizing like, yeah, I truly love him. And guess what? They really do trust me because they let me go. They know that I could and would leave, but now I can actually choose to stay here and not be a prisoner. Her reasoning, too, I really liked. She's like, I refuse to be like Ryder and Kenzo's parents. I refuse to be the bitch who ruined Garrett. And I refuse to be the mother who never loved Diesel. Like she acknowledges that not only they fill the gaps in her life, but she fills the gaps in theirs. Yes. And then her realizing that they all need each other to heal from their past. Like they are all parts of the puzzle here. They all need each other to heal. And there were multiple moments where she does this, where she would name each person and describe him. And I really, really liked that. Like in reference to the fire within Kenzo blocks it, D uses it, Garrett unleashes it, and Ryder lives in it to protect others. Oh, that was a good one. They all balance each other out. And I love the quote that she says right when she gets back. She's like, at some point, the I hate yous turned into I love yous, which is exactly kind of what we hit on earlier, where she's like, from the start, I hate you, I hate you. But it was more like, you know, these are definitely going to turn into I love you. Yeah, turn into the hate fucking I love you. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and when she, like, I can just imagine her bawling her eyes out, whipping that car around, and then fucking Kenzo's right there crying. Like, uh, if I didn't think he was my number one, this it made him my number one. Like Him showing I, he loved her so fucking much. Dude, I oh, literally melted. me. The fact that they run into each other, he was not going to let her it's like go. The fucking notebook, bro. What is like the notebook? And when he grabs her and he's like, I lied. I will always follow you. I will hunt you across this world. I'm too fucking selfish to let the best thing to ever happen to us walk away your hours. This was for sure solidifying. Kenzo was my second favorite. And then not long after, Garrett storms in and is like, You're not fucking leaving. Ugh, yes uh, like they were not gonna let her go and no, they i were so never glad letting her go no, because then diesel's like you thought i'd let you leave i told you you were mine and they'd have to kill me to stop you from coming after you <laughs> and then Ryder, on the other hand wants to make her prove that she actually loves him and that she wasn't gonna leave and this is where we have her group fuck yep the way Ryder describes them all edging her as punishment I was like, yeah, this is going to get spicy. She literally has to be restrained to be with Garrett. Diesel draws blood per usual. Thoughts on the brothers sharing? Because this is the first scene when both Ryder and Kenzo are like together. It also seems to kind of be a trend in reverse harm, like the vicious lost boys and the bonds that tie. There's brothers in both of those as well. Have you noticed that? No, (laughs) too focused. I'm like, who cares? It's all about the girl. A couple more kinks are covered after this. So Ryder fires a guy at a CEO meeting, gives her bars on the side. So kind of a power kink. She's in D's dungeon and she gets fucked with a gun. And y'all thought hunting Adeline was the OG gun fucking? Nah, nah. 
their crazy levels match because he fucks her with the gun before she grabs it and makes him suck her off the gun and then shoots blanks in his mouth. The fucking adrenaline rush that you would get from a gun, like being in your vagina, like that would scare me. That's I would be like, "Uh, nope, I don't want to get my fucking vagina blown out. But then the the batshit fucking crazy that she's just popping off the gun at his head. That's (laughs) wild. They are. Yeah, they're next level. And then the plot starts to thicken. This is when shit really starts to go down because Garrett runs into his psycho ex whose face is half melted off. He didn't even know this because D basically burned her, chained her down in a building, set the building on fire. and she. But somehow she got away. Regardless, she steals his phone and texts Roxy as him. And then this is when she gets kidnapped by the triad. She puts up one hell of a fucking fight, but then she gets knocked out. Oh my God, when she used her heels as a weapon since they got her disarmed, I was like, goals. That is badass. Like, do I need to start walking around in seven inch heels so I can fucking kill people? And then you always have a weapon on you. (laughs) I'm also, though, a a use your words kind of person, but like, it was perfect for her character. She had nothing but her heels. She knew what to do. And on top of it, she gets in a car crash because she kills all of them with the heels and gets captured again. At this point, I was like, this bitch has several concussions. Oh, yeah. Like, there's definitely some brain damage going on. (laughs) I don't even know how she's fucking walking straight at this point. And speaking of brain damage, she wakes up hanging upside down. Like, that's not going to (laughs) help. But somehow she has her fucking thoughts together. She's like, oh, this is just another day in another dungeon. I'm going to make those bitches cry to their mommies. (laughs) I honestly died laughing when she said that. And then she proceeds to roast the shit out of the men torturing her. I know. I was kind of like, bitch, can you just shut the fuck up? They're going to torture you some more. Like, goddamn. She's like, when the, the one guy slaps her, she's like, damn, that was fun. Do it again. See how far you could swing me. Or when she's like, my safe word is bubbles, by the way. And then getting waterboarded. Thanks. I was thirsty. <laughs> Fucking savage. It literally cannot break her. She's unbreakable. <laughs> She's like, D can do worse. And then my boy, Daddy D. They let him loose in the fucking world. That's when you know Ooh. shit's about to go down. It's when they're like, D, just go fuck shit up. I honestly got chills when I read that part. <laughs> it's like, you think that he's crazy now? Oh, <laughs> Roxy's fucking captured? You're about to see some fucking crazy. Like, I literally imagine him like fucking Carrie with just blood, <laughs> drenched in blood, walking into the room being oh, like, shit. that's my bitch. And then just fucking killing everyone. And the fact that he literally blacks out interrogating someone and comes to covered in blood, exactly like you just said. And he's just saying, I'm going to rip their hearts from their chests and give them to her. And Ryder and Kenzo and Garrett just like pat him on the back like, all right, D. (laughs) They're like, chill out. Okay, let's go get her now. (laughs) And then she actually does get rescued. Kind of. She technically escaped already, but they were really close to getting her. And she frees herself, hits a grenade with a bat like a badass. And then Garrett gets kidnapped while all of this shit is going on. And then... Fucking plot twist. Garrett's former lover has been the leak the whole time. She's working for the triad. She's literally trying to get back at him. Honestly, like, why is she capturing fucking Garrett? Why didn't she try and capture Diesel? Right. Because he's the one who fucking melted her face off. I don't understand. But what I understand is that bitch is fucking batshit crazy. Yep. And then I love 
that when it comes around to them saving him, that Roxy gets to kill him. Like, yeah, I think it would have been satisfying for Garrett if he got to kill her. But Roxy doing it is like, yeah, you fucked with my man. I'm going to fuck you up. Right. She basically blacked out like D does. <laughs> it, was, it was perfect. And when she said, let's get you home. And he said, home is wherever you are. Ugh. And then Garrett fucking almost dies again from being stabbed so many times. It's like, God, the whirlwind. At the end of this book. I know. You already know. She comes back from getting beat the fuck up, tortured and almost dying and needs to have sex with everyone to celebrate. Typical. And even more kinks are covered, including ropes, hot wax, candle play, ass eating. He's an ass eater. Oh, (laughs) you like that one? (laughs) And Diesel almost literally kills her. Gives her a scar above the heart. That pretty much covers all the kinks in this book. Other than this one scene that I don't even know you could consider a kink, but it's the water bottle moment I mentioned earlier. She's basically like, you could never hurt me. Because, of course, per usual, he's like, I'm like my dad. I can not hurt you. And so he goes all fucking out and sticks a water bottle in her coochie. I was literally like, what? <laughs> like, how does this feel good? <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, Garrett and Kenzo, super injured, are like, yeah, let's fuck. And you're like, can you even fucking move? You almost died. Right. It's just ridiculous. And then similar to a Barbie dream house, <laughs> they get a Viper dream house. Okay. It's decked out black gold, a place where all their kinks can come true. Goals. Okay. Not their kind of kinks. I'm talking the house people. I want that house. Okay. <laughs> just to clarify. With the fucking 50 shades of gray dungeon in the bottom for <laughs> diesel. No, but I do want that giant reverse harem bed. You know, they always get those like like we can California all sleep kings. Yeah, it's like three California kings like all together. Right? <laughs> That's what I mean by goals. <laughs> Full circle moment at the end when she goes back to kill her dad and she goes, daddy, he should fear what you created more. And honestly, he was fucking egging her on. Like, I don't understand what her dad was thinking. He's a dumbass. But I'm fucking happy that she decided to actually kill him because fuck that guy. Me too. I kind of thought she wouldn't. I know. And then heart fucking clench at the end with Diesel. He's like, I love you, little bird. It's over. My favorite, favorite quote at the end of this book. And I think it just ties everything in and just makes you see again, like reiterating this is an emotional book. Like there's an emotional plot line behind all of this. And Roxy goes, from my mother, I learned to be strong. From my father, I learned to embrace pain. From rich, I learned to love things while they last. And from the vipers, I learned love is unconditional and come from the strangest places and times. And from myself, I learned it's okay to love yourself, embrace your scars, and never be ashamed. It's the perfect summary to the progression of her character and self-awareness. But it's also an oxymoron because there's so much healing and enlightenment in such a dark book. Right. It's so deep and you wouldn't expect it from this. And not all dark romances are like this, but it just shows you that even though a book can be so batshit fucking crazy, (laughs) it can still leave you with thinking about something for your own life. Definitely. 
And then one thing I wanted to touch on in the fucking epilogue that made me literally laugh out loud was when, you know how a lot of times in an epilogue, they end up getting married and having a family. Right. Obviously, they got married. They forced the judge to marry them. Hilarious. (laughs) Totally on par with them. And the judge being literally tied up saying, this isn't legal. (laughs) Diesel's like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) I know. Hilarious. And then... It kind of mentions children, but then someone says, yeah, we can't have children because Diesel would kill them because they would take the attention away from me. And I'm like, yeah, that's definitely true. Good thing they didn't have children. Yeah. (laughs) And in classic Denna Vipers fashion, we have it ending with Diesel doing something absolutely batshit crazy, but hilarious by taking a fucking blood oath. <laughs> of course. <laughs> to promise himself. A ring is not enough. <laughs> we gotta share blood. <laughs> nuts. So if you're listening and you haven't read the book, or if you have read the book, we've got some similar recommendations for you. So just in general, dark romance books that I would recommend is the Ritual series, which we'll be covering in a couple months. And then another dark reverse harem book is Carnage, which is a spinoff of the Ritual series. I would also say Haunting Adeline. Very, very dark romance, though. I will say personally, that is the darkest romance I have read. So always read your trigger warnings, people. And then we've kind of said this one already, but Ruthless Boys, great reverse harem. That's a fantasy one, too. Mm -hmm. Another author that has really good cutesy reverse harems, which is fun to read, is Lily Gold. I've read a few of them. One is like the three Swedish mountain men. So good. That sounds good. It's not super, super dark like these, but you still get that. Okay, she gets to be with multiple guys. And then another kind of more cutesy dark mafia because i feel like mafia a lot of times is dark because obviously mafia is related to killing but sophie lark does a really good job with the air series and then kind of a prequel series to that is starts with brutal prince and that's mafia but not being so dark like this one where it's getting so into the killing and everything like that obviously that's in there but it's more of like a cutesy version of it and i love her books so much and then of course look at this author's other work their bio is literally all about the monsters you love to hate, the crazier the better, which perfectly describes this book. And I believe you are currently reading one of their other yes. books. Yes. So Court of Nightmares is one that recently came out and it's a fantasy style book. There's vampires. She is in this court and basically without revealing too much, she is like seven guys, I think. And they're all kind of mated to her in a way. And she can only drink their blood and they can only drink her blood. It's pretty fucking fun. And it's multiple POVs. So (laughs) it's from all of the guys and her. So it's kind of a lot to deal with. But I think it's really well done because, again, a little bit more of a hefty book. But if it was all from her point of view, it would be too much. Right. I'm excited to read that one. I am so excited. So fucking excited, dude. We're working with Eliziana. E-L-I-Z-I-A-N-N-A. 
as our next featured bookish spotlight. We're fangirling, okay? I have been a follower of hers on my personal page for literal years. Yeah, I haven't. But once we started being friends, even before this podcast started and reading books together, you would send me her fan art. And I was like, this shit is fucking dope. It's fire. I know. We got our hands on exclusive Denna Viper's content of hers, including a Roxy and Diesel intimate scene and a nudie of our favorite psychotic teddy bear Diesel. Yes. And you can go to our YouTube channel, TikTok or Instagram to see these exclusive Denna Vipers art pieces. When I'm telling you exclusive, she literally went into her archives, got this shit for us. How fucking sick is that? I feel so special (laughs) and honored to have seen these pieces and you guys are going to love them. You may know Eliziana from her recent work creating truly scandalous scenes with Sarah J. Moss characters, as well as Fourth Wing for her Patreon, Clutch Your Pearls. By the way, that title, fucking genius. The Clutch Your Pearls campaign, which has actually expanded into a Kickstarter dating simulator, we got to check out. It's not live yet, but it's so, so cool. Yes, I was looking at that. And on her profile, if you click on the link tree and go to Clutch Your Pearls tab, it'll take you to the Kickstarter where you can see descriptions of how the game is and how it works. I can't wait for it to go live. Also, don't forget to check out her newsletter and shop, of course. Her at name, if you don't already follow her, is eliziana.the.1. That's E-L-I-Z-I-A-N-N-A dot the, T-H-E dot one O-N-E. Alrighty, and then to end us off, we're going to do a quick would you rather. Woo-woo. So. I'm ready. Would you rather have to spend one night with diesel oh or get railed by the other three in public though and people are watching you (sighs) jesus christ i was instantly going to say the other three but then when you said in public i know i had to make it you know that you didn't really want to do either yeah i don't want to do either (laughs) i'm like can we put restrictions on diesel (laughs) um I feel like I would still have to go with the other three in public because Diesel tends to almost kill you, if not kill you. And at least I would survive physically the public foursome. Emotionally, maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) I might have to go into hiding and get plastic surgery on my face. I don't know. But like, you know, can people record me? Hopefully not. And then I can be okay. So I choose those three. I don't know, dude. That's a scary one. I don't, I know. Also, another quick shout out to fucking Mr. T and Katie from fucking Guitar Center. Oh shit. <laughs> you Mr. Almost, T. You almost forgot. Dude, how could I forget Mr. T? How? I don't know because let me just say something to you guys really quick. Making a podcast is fucking hard. The amount of hours and money that we've put into this because we truly are having a really great time. But I honestly almost had like 10 mental fucking breakdowns in this last week because there was some fucking static in the back of our recording. And we have no idea what we're doing. So we're just out here fucking YouTubing this shit. And then we go to Guitar Center. We're trying to get a new setup. They put us in a back room. This guy for fucking free is helping us fix our static issue, 
giving us tips, all this stuff. Also, Katie said that we had good podcast voice. So shout out Katie. Oh my God, Katie, that meant so much because we hate hearing ourselves. Yes, we <laughs> literally validating us. listen, re-listen to this shit like 20 times before we release it. And by the end, we're both like, shut the fuck up. Like, you sound <laughs> stupid. But just needed to give them a quick shout out because you guys seriously changed our lives. I was getting a little bit down about doing this. And now I totally feel revived, like come from the fucking oh ashes. Like I'm yes. ready to go. Like a phoenix I from the ashes. I can't wait. All I thanks to Mr. T. Mr. fucking T. And Mr. T, <laughs> if you listen to this, you know my love language is acts of service. So so slide into the DMs, man. Taylor was crushing on him really hard, and I was trying to help her out, but we were too wrapped up. We were emotionally damaged, and we <laughs> left emotionally revived. <laughs> Phoenix from the fucking ashes. Mr. T and Katie we love you. Is that too soon? I don't know, but we love you. (laughs) (laughs) That's it for today's episode. We'll see y'all back in two weeks for our next book, which is going to be Archer's Voice. For more, follow us on our socials, TikTok and Insta at Read It and Ride It and subscribe to us on YouTube or wherever you're listening in. Our DMs are open to would you rather suggestions or books and topics you want covered. Or you can email us at readitandwriteit at gmail.com. See you guys next episode.